welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the ninth Sunday after Pentecost for the week of August 2nd, 2020. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast. And where is summer going? If someone knows, please let me know, and please call the authorities, because boy, is it slipping by. Man, we're already in August, and it's just moving so quickly this year. I feel like it's just been flying. And maybe it's because it's such a weird year, as we've talked about plenty of times on this podcast. And But doesn't every summer seem to move quickly? It's just this summer just seems to move in a much different tempo. But there's still definitely some time left. There's definitely plenty of weeks left before we kind of get into the flow of fall and bringing with it the toward the end here of Matthew's Gospels as we transition in November into Mark. But it's just this idea of transition and that we're seeing things moving and then coming back to us so much. And it's fascinating when we really think about it. And we looked at last week talking about the pearls in our life, the things that were of great value that essentially started as an irritant. And I think we look at how the transition at times going season to season is sometimes an irritant. Sometimes we don't like letting go of one season or we're super looking forward to the next season. And I think it's at times, it's the thing that I know with being in the state of Minnesota. I really enjoy the seasons. I enjoy having the variance of the seasons. And I think even if you're in different parts of the world where maybe the weather isn't the main determining factor, just the different celebrations that we celebrate throughout the year is something that it's worth treasuring and valuing and thinking about. And so last week's Twitter question was kind of along some of these veins is, where have you found pearls in your life? Things that irritated you, but provided a pearl, a beautiful pearl later on. And where are you finding the joy in Christ today? And I had a great response this last week, and I couldn't agree more, of kids. Sometimes kids can be an absolute pain in the butt, and we all have known those kids that were the difficult kid for whatever reason, that they're just really difficult, really challenging. But when we pour the love into them that they need or that they're looking for, it's those moments that they realize and they start turning a corner, that they are needing that love and affection, and suddenly they become a pearl in our own lives. And just the joy that those pearls can bring to us through a child's smile or whatever is such a powerful gift. And it's such a great reminder of just what God's love is like to us. And it really leads well into this week's text. So let's just jump right into it. The first reading this week is out of Isaiah chapter 55 verses 1 through 5. We have this really interesting text, as Ralph Jacobson would say, it's coming from 2nd Isaiah, if you listen to the Sermon Brainways podcast, but he's talking about the bounty of God and how much God is willing to just share this with us so freely. And it's really interesting that 
it was brought up in Sermon Brainwaves this last week, where they're talking about having no money, but that they come and eat. And this time period where Isaiah is writing, money is just being invented. It had been this trader barter system, and that we're just kind of getting the invention of money. So the best way to show wealth at this time was with food. So this idea that God has this bountiful table willing to share it with anybody, whether you had stuff to bring or not, that this bounty was without money and without price, that it was just free and open to everyone. Is this really unique and awesome idea of how the bounty of God is really open to all of us? The alternative first reading is from Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 31. We continue with this story of Jacob, and it's a really interesting section that we're in because now he's running from his brother, Esau, and he then has his two wives, as we talked about last week, and all their children, and he's in this spot, and he wrestles with God. Him and God are going at it all night. And what is Jacob wrestling with God about? He wants God to bless him. He has stolen the birthright. He has stolen the blessing, arguably. But now he's wanting God to bless him. And how much he is wrestling. And it it leaves a scar where he limps away at the end. But God sees how much he is willing to fight for that blessing. And from what you'll see as I get into this week, I think it's also part of just how much Jacob has this desire to know God and spend time with God. And God then finally says, okay, if you're going to do that, I will make sure to bless you and your household. So this really interesting story of how we see God work with Jacob here as he wrestles with God. The psalm this week is Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9, and 14 through 21. This continues along that theme of God blessing us, coming even directly from verse 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and all his compassion is over all he has made. So this idea of how God is willing to go through a lot of different things to make sure that we are protected, are safe, are loved, as long as we are praising God and as long as we are giving him the credit, that we are recognizing how God is willing to work with us and provide us things way beyond our even imagination, as long as we're willing and able to let God take over our lives. The second reading is from Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. And this continues kind of along that theme, that it's the Holy Spirit that is within us that compels us to love one another, that it's that love that Christ has given us to see beyond the different barriers that we might see that Gentile or Jew or perfectly following the law or making sure that we're worshiping in the right way. It's that Christ's love that is bountiful that helps us bless not only our lives, but bless the lives of others through the Holy Spirit being in us. 
The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. This is a really interesting spot, I feel like, to be dropping in on the story, because I feel like they really should have included a few more verses on the front end. Because what we hear is Jesus having heard this, or it might put in your Bible, that John the Baptist had just been beheaded. And we know that John the Baptist was probably someone Jesus looked up to, was really close with, was a companion with, and he has just been beheaded. So here's Jesus. He goes out in a boat to spend some time with himself, away from everybody. When he comes back in... He sees the crowd of people and has compassion on them. And he then is going and curing and helping the lame, the sick, the, the people who need help. The disciples then come to him and say, it's getting kind of late. Should we send these people into the city to get food? Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. The disciples look and are looking at things and realizing we have five loaves and two fish. Jesus blesses this, gives it to the people. They then have a bounty of 12 baskets full afterwards. And then it makes this interesting note right here at the very end in verse 21 that the people who ate were 5,000 men besides women and children. So essentially, you have 5,000 men plus women and children. This is a large gathering of people. And I think there's a lot in this, and I don't even want to spoil this week how I'm looking at how faith and science come together on this. But before we jump into that, we have to do our shameless plug for Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, with having four different seminary professors from Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, discussing these texts. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some direction for this podcast, along with having multiple other commentaries to help guide from multiple different other viewpoints, plus other discussions. If you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. One final thing before I jump into talking about how faith and science ties together, I noticed last week I forgot to attach a link to the commentary talking about the alternative first reading that I did a little bit of discussing about last week. So I'll make sure and I'll I'll put a label by it to make sure to attach that commentary in this week's references at the bottom. So make sure to check that out. It was a really good commentary last week. But how does faith and science with this text work? I'm going to argue that Jesus in this way is showing us a new way of living against our own DNA. In a way, it's the default of how he hardwired us to be, but some of our own DNA gets in the way of us being the people that we were hardwired to be at times because the world has evolved so quickly, faster than our DNA can keep up. This week, it's not necessarily where I would say my strength is in the sciences, but I think 
it's still really important because we are going to be talking a little bit more of the social sciences and how they are shown some different things here that can be really insightful, especially into this gospel text. So where do I start? Where I was taking this when I was first trying to process this and think about how do I tackle this text, I started looking up compassion. Is there any science to compassion? And my goodness, if you look at animals or plants, there's plenty of things we could have looked at and different examples of this. But I stumbled across this physician, neurosurgeon, and neuroscientist of James Dottie. James has a lot of TED Talks, and there'll be a lot of references down below to a lot of his TED Talks. But what he has been doing over the last 10 to 15 years is looking into through Stanford Medical Facility, this kind of subsection he calls CARE Center, which stands for the Center of Compassion and Altruism Research and Education. His whole thing is talking about how compassion can change who we are and trying to find the science to show that. So one of the TED Talks that I went through and was kind of trying to get all this different information on is when we look at our natural self and we can even see this in studies with two-year-olds we are hardwired to try to have connection with other people and we've seen that and that we are hardwired to try to help people so one of the studies that they have done is like a two-year-old having them in the room and that they drop a pen and act like the researcher just can't get to it. And that this two-year-old, not knowing even proper manners, will go to get this thing that someone is striving to get. And even if there's obstacles that they put in the way to make it harder, this child will have the desire to go and try to help pick up this item to be helpful. Because we have this connection with another person. We like feeling connected. We like feeling this value of meaning and purpose. And yet within, especially the United States, but even within our world, we are noticing that there's this huge epidemic of stress, anxiety, loneliness, isolation, oppression. And so how have we dealt with this? We've dealt with this with medical drugs. So 25% of people, when they are suffering with pain or going through something, Say they don't trust going to anyone. And so this is where we have gotten ourselves into this really weird predicament and that the world is moving faster than our own DNA can keep up with. And the medical field then has stepped in and say, well, we have all these drugs we can give you. So 20% of the adult population takes some type of drugs to treat the epidemic that I talked about earlier, stress, anxiety, loneliness, isolation, oppression. And if you include excess use of alcohol, it gets up to over 50% of people. But this doesn't solve our problem that we inertly have within us. So what is this thing then that's chewing at us that we're not able to quench. Why do we even have this? Because we have determined through our own evolution 
that our offspring take longer to mature than any other species on the face of the planet. We're a case species. We take a long time and put a lot of time and work and effort into our offspring. If you think about it, for most of us, it is over a decade, more like two decades. And I know there would be some people who would claim three decades that their children are still dependent on their parent. And we then develop this relationship of care and naturally hardwired into us, saying by Dottie, that we recognize the pain and suffering of others. And they have shown in research that the same parts of the brain will light up with pain that when we go through pain and suffering, if we are watching somebody go through pain and suffering, that the same parts of our brain will light up. And thus, if we go and try to help alleviate this, This is where we then start hearing about the neurotransmitters associated with caring and being some type of help like oxytocin or the dopamine release that we will get. So they have seen in research that we are hardwired for care and we notice it especially with young children. Let the little children come to me like we will get later on here in Matthew's gospel. But the idea that we see this need that we have with young people, why do we lose that somewhere along the way? This natural caring part of our body is the parasympathetic nervous system. So this is the part that is really calm, caring, sympathetic. And this part of us, I would say, is it takes a little bit more time, is willing to be slow, willing to be thoughtful. But sometimes the vagus nerve stimulates the sympathetic nervous system in different situations. And the sympathetic nervous system is probably the one that a lot of people know as the fight, flight, or freeze mechanism. When this is triggered, this causes us to be afraid, raises our pulse, raises our blood pressure, lowers our immune system suppresses it and our stress hormones go up. And this would have been extremely helpful, especially if we were hunter-gatherers in sub-Saharan Africa and we stumbled across a lion, that it would have caused us to try to get to a position where we are safe. So it's really good for that type of situation. The problem is, is a lot of times we really aren't in that situation and yet our body triggers that. So now we're having all these other problems in our bodies, higher blood pressure, lower immune system, higher stress hormones, more stress, increased pulse. And what are we ever doing to help alleviate that? When are we actually spending the time to calm these down? Whereas if we connect with the parasympathetic nervous system, one of the other things that we've noticed is it improves our own health. It lowers our blood pressure, causes our heart rate to go down, immune system goes up, our stress levels go down to base level, increase calmness, increase productivity, better decision making, and we're more creative. And what's the simple solution to this? Is when we're compassionate and engage with other people. Those are all the benefits. And how can we be more compassionate? It's taking 15 minutes, this doctor was arguing, to breathe slowly in and out and to focus on compassion before we just react. Let's look back at that gospel text 
of what Jesus does. This to me is really, really interesting. Jesus hears about the beheading of one of his good friends, a mentor in the ministry. He then goes and spends a little time by himself. It never says how long, but could it be 15 minutes of silence to focus on compassion, to breathe slowly in and out? And how often when we go through something like that, we try to isolate ourselves. But when anybody who's gone through stuff like that realizes that, yes, there is a time to do that, but at some point you have to interact with other people because that's how you slowly move forward. What does Jesus do? Jesus sees this crowd and has compassion on them. We get out of verse 14. He then is going and helping them, having and curing the sick, helping the lame, spending time with these people. This, to me, is where it gets really interesting, is the interaction then with Jesus and his disciples. The disciples then are doing the sympathetic nervous system. They are, okay, it's getting late. These people, they've been here all day. We gotta go. We gotta, Jesus is tired. He's done for the day. Jesus, it's getting late. These people are hungry. Let them go back and buy food. Jesus responds to them. They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Why would Jesus say that? The reason I think is it Jesus has just fed these people spiritually. Jesus has had compassion on them to interact with them. Jesus is saying, you need to interact with these people. Spend time with these people because if you're interacting with these people and not seeing them as something standing in your way, but having compassion on them, you will understand that, yes, we have what we need here to feed these people. They have the literal five loaves and two fish. And Jesus has the people sit down and passes this out. And yet then there's a bounty afterwards. I see in my head part of the rationalization of these people sitting down and that people did bring things that they weren't sharing initially, but based off the interactions, based off of us spending time together, they're like, I have a sandwich. Do you want half of it in the sharing that we have? Because we are interacting with each other. We're engaging with each other. We have this compassion. It's how God hardwired us to be. Look at then these texts that we have, the bounty that God has for us. But what is it calling us to do? It's calling us to come, be there, engage with God, engage with fellow believers at this table that God has set for us. The alternative first reading, Jacob, I want to be with you. God bless me. God bless me. God bless me. I'm not letting you go, God. I just want to be with you. I want to engage with you closer. I want to spend more time with you. I, I, I'm getting so much out of this relationship. God, don't leave me. The Holy Spirit coming in the psalm here of God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God is compassionate. We need to be compassionate. We need to be able to share that love with other people. Paul then talking in Romans, talking about it's the Holy Spirit within us that God has given to us to be able to share in this glory and all the praise that God has with other people, but also then showing compassion to others. Jesus is showing us a different lifestyle in this text. He is showing us this is how you are hardwired. You are hardwired 
for compassion. You, yourself, your sinful part will at times get in the way of this. You have to realize that. You need to realize that your sympathetic nervous system is there for extreme situations to protect yourself, but I'm not calling you to spend all your time in this fast sympathetic nervous system hit. I have called you to be in that oxytocin and the dopamine releases, the things that I have made to make you more productive, more creative, and even have a longer life. Yes, they have shown that people who are in the parasympathetic nervous system more often have a longer life. There is a bounty that God has for us literally sitting inside of us that we can utilize every single day. It's the question of, are we going to calm ourselves, to connect with our spirit, to be able to get to the parasympathetic instead of the quick hit sympathetic where I just get mad at people. I just get mad because I feel attacked, I feel afraid, I feel like I need to do something about it. And my first reaction is just to do something quickly. And yet here's Jesus taking this time to slow down and say, what are you doing? Just because you're in pain, just because you're scared, just because you don't understand what's going on, why are you reacting so quickly? Even I, the Son of God, who was in on this whole plan, this whole thing of what God created, still take time for myself to get my thoughts together, to connect with God, to be able to then show compassion on these other people, these crowds, that they had followed him, and they're going through the pain of what they've heard too. They're confused, along with the pains that they carry with them. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the single understanding of how we live a life differently. We live a life of compassion. We are a praying people, and a praying people means that a lot of times that we have to take time to listen, to reflect, to let God talk. In a world that moves faster and faster, it seems, by the day, and when we look at other animals and how they're willing to go out of their way to be compassionate to other animals, why do we struggle with this? The way we as a human race are going to get through anything in life is by being compassionate and loving to each other. And especially as Christians, we know that's the truth. Why are we so slow to this? So this week, as we're looking at this, it's reflecting as much on ourselves as when are we letting our sympathetic nervous system, that the vagus nerve is tapping that faster than letting us connect with the parasympathetic in our own body. So the Twitter question this week is, what is your ratio? How often are you connecting with the sympathetic nervous system? And how often are you connecting with the parasympathetic nervous system? I know for myself, there's a lot of times that I can catch myself at times in the sympathetic, but I also, if I'm serious with myself, I go there faster than I should. I tap that stream more often than I should. And it's those times when I'm tapping the sympathetic nervous system that a lot of times I can say something that I regret later. That a lot of times that I can go there and actually do a lot of harm to other people. That there are times that I use that more because I'm afraid. 
more because I have too much pride and that I'm not listening enough to God and I'm not letting God in to say, no, I have something different for you. This is a gospel that really challenges us to reflect on our own selves and our own behaviors. This is a gospel that challenges us to be better than what we normally are. But this also is a text that if we really sit down and look at it, it's God showing this is how I designed you. And I realize that there's this part of you that evolved for specific times and specific places and it's sometimes going to be really hard to get away from just going to the quick and easy. But I designed you to have deep relationship with me. And to do that, I need you to be calm. I need you to be able to withdraw in a boat, in a deserted place by yourself to connect with me. And after we've connected, and after we've spent some time together, I'm gonna tell you that I want you to go to the hurting. I want you to go to those with pain. And I want you to show the love that I have showed you. Because when you do that, the bounty of what you will get back is more than what you ever had initially. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.